0: Welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. Today is Monday, August the 2nd. We're officially uh, in August now, meaning next month is September, meaning that next month is we, it's go time again, Jordan.
1: Go time!
0: Go time! Go time! It is go back to the woods time. Go, go back to the woods time. I am over summer. Yeah. That's what... Uh, uh, I'm sure, you, I mean, I know you get this all the time, too. Folks that come down here and visit or whatever, they're like, how do you get used to summer in the south? Like in central Mississippi, Louisiana is just as bad, Alabama, all of it just as bad. I'm you, like, you just know. deal with it. Well, the best comparison that I heard is, you know, folks are like, you hear folks like in Minnesota and stuff like that, and they say during the winter it gets so bad they just stay inside. Yeah. That's what we do.
1: Pretty much.
0: We just stay inside go I'm, outside when you have to
1: i'm usually way more active far as going and doing stuff mm-hmm. than i have been this year i mean like i love to fish absolutely love fishing yeah like i, I like fishing as much as i do deer hunting
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i've been like one time this year yeah just crazy busy and mm-hmm. everything we had to deal with kind of last year with the covid still residual effects you got back tracked yeah oh there's stuff.
0: residuals for sure man people still ain't recovering from that uh, like we
1: ain't even went
0: bass fishing n- one time one time i went that one time um yeah so it's we're summer has a tendency to do that and plus i mean if you think about it now like if you go and chase turkeys until june it kind of shortens your summer you yeah know? well that's <laughs> a good thing no no that's zero a, complaints there
1: very good thing like the last couple of weeks i've been having several of my friends and stuff you know on social like hey man you've been shooting your bow y'all getting trail cameras out yet oh crap it's
0: august yeah <laughs> it never really hits me until august comes around because like, i feel like i don't know i kind of float june and july is like almost the same thing yeah like it's I, I, june july they just kind of mix together with me when august hits i'm like oh goodness I, I saw it hit you yeah. Today,
1: when I walked in the office this morning, I saw that bow case sitting there. I was like, Lanky <laughs> done started thinking about it.
0: Well, well, yeah. Well, just again, just bare honesty. I didn't know what was what, and we can talk about this later. So, last year during elk season, Brad threw that Arizona tag, and I was going to go with him. Yeah. And so, it would kind of, I mean, it'll show up in the shows i don't think these have aired yet but it was like brad brad hunted and then i got to hunt for like three or four days and then we had to leave yeah you know and uh i really the same thing we're kind of in a similar situation this year because wilbur drew an arizona tag took him 24 or 25 26 years something like that to draw it
1: your middle name is go to arizona
0: i guess so but i'm not <laughs> look i'm not upset about no, it at, not all. at all like not, that's a will will called me in the spring we were actually turkey on at kudzu bluff and will called me and he said he drew that tag and he's like are you gonna go i was like heck yeah i'm gonna go uh and so i thought i was gonna kind of be in a similar situation i was like well we'll get to new mexico and Will will hunt first and then i may have like 2 3 days to hunt you don't know but we found out as of like last week or right before they're like no you're going first so i was like oh gosh yep you're uh, time to uh yeah so i was trying to get her dialed get her dialed in you know what i
1: mean yeah i need to do the same i need to start shooting too it's like creeps up on you so dang fast yeah like it seems like the older i get the busier i get and that's like stuff you don't think about you need to be doing but i need to get my butt in gear and start getting ready yeah
0: well i mean for me i've had years where well, I, I mean i, I can remember I, I don't think i was ever more prepared than the first year i got an elk archery tag yeah because i just put so much time getting ready and then i just kind of me just internal monologue with myself i was like it's not like you got this figured out you know like you know, i need to get ready yeah so um yeah starting every day now i plan to shoot once a day preferably twice a day if i can swing it i'm about gotten like you i'm so so busy mm-hmm. that it just it, it gets away from you but even if i can go out there and shoot half a dozen arrows that's something but i'm gonna block out some morning time every morning
1: yeah build make, that muscle yeah repetition of, yeah. or like muscle memory
0: yeah muscle memory yeah well that's what i because I, I can remember talking about that the first year that i um well hang on we'll get into that more we're about to drive straight into it and not talk about what we need to talk about first first things first um since it is monday august 2nd uh, we, we need to cover our embarrassment story that we promised we'd cover for every everyone. Uh-huh. Um, also, quick tidbit before we do that, guys, if y'all enjoy this podcast, please take the time out to go to uh, either either follow us on Spotify if you listen to us there, or go to our page on Apple iTunes and leave us a rating and write us a review. That really, that helps the podcast out, So, and it doesn't, t- I mean, it takes like a minute's worth of time. So help us out. If you could do that, it's much appreciated. Y'all can give Lake like a rating on his looks. That'd
1: be a good review.
0: Then no, no, no. A scale, oh, okay. a scale
1: okay. of one to two. Yeah. One being butt ugly and two being just ugly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well that's a i was about to say i thought she was gonna say leave it like a like a one to five star rating i'm like don't do that and then we'll get a bunch of we'll get a whole bunch of one stars but if you're telling them to write a review yeah go ahead and write that cause I, don't, I don't care what they write like as long as they write songs <sighs> um so we're gonna cover two stories this week one of them is uh so this isn't a, a guy named brett deming sent this in uh and all he said was basically he's like this is not a tall tale or an embarrassment story by any means uh but i think he was just the man the man's just proud of his family uh i think they they had him um, a strong 2020 and 2021 turkey season i'm um, trying to skim over this real quick spring 2020 both my daughter emily and my wife amy got their first turkeys emily was 15 at the time and had just overcome her fear of the shotgun that's awesome uh, spring 2020, they filled all three tags. I uh, think he videoed his daughter killing hers. Um, all Obviously very excited, all of them. Um, went out again in the spring of 2021, filled two out of three tags. Uh, unfortunately, due to an injury, his wife wasn't able to sit out, uh, sit for a long time. Um, Primo's deadly double call has always been my go-to for years now, bagging turkey after turkey. It's made two new hunters successful, which encouraged them to return to the sport again. They're from southwest Colorado and uh they said they've watched the apparently, you know, I haven't I you've turkey hunted Colorado. I've done I've filmed a hunt out there one time, but he said over there in southwest Colorado, I guess the turkey population wasn't always um thriving, but they said they've watched it improve over the years. Yeah, there's been uh especially out in the
1: like the plains part of CO yeah. this uh They've been doing a lot of introduction, you know, Rios and yeah. stuff. And I was reading up on that when I was going through there a couple of years ago hunting. Because I was reading, like, when you come into the eastern side of Colorado from Kansas, there's, like, all these—it looks like Kansas forever until you get to the mountains. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've been reintroducing Rios there for the last 15 years or so. And they're, really? they're starting to get pretty good numbers. So yeah. that's, that's kind of like— I'll the southwest portion too is that kind of plains and yeah not as much mountainous and
0: yeah i can remember man when i was uh when i was shoot man i would have had to have been like ninth or tenth grade in high school uh our fan my family and a couple other families went on a thanksgiving trip to like wyoming mm-hmm. and our, we were never seen snow in my life before we're driving around Wyoming we drive past this big snowy field and there's like this big flock of turkeys and I was like oh you know I'd never I'd never laid eyes on a Merriam and I remember the ranch owner telling me that they'd been doing a restocking process uh thing there and at that that was the first time I'd ever heard of a restocking you know initiative yeah. of them of the NWTF, um trying to you know reboost the population that way but anyhow so that's
1: awesome they had got his two girls
0: loving turkey hunting yeah so brett demming congratulations to you and your family thanks for sending that in we haven't uh that's the first story we've gotten like that sent into us you know it wasn't really embarrassing per se but he said that but i ain't against sharing that kind of story you know he's using a primo's deadly double and got his wife and daughter involved so that's awesome congratulations brett so this next story this is uh out of all the embarrassing stories that we've gotten sent in to us, this one's on a different level. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, this one, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll put it this way. I think this guy that sent this in didn't ask me to leave his name out, uh, but I, I imagine he would want me to mm-hmm. just because okay. of, just because of the subject matter that we've got here. So, sir, if you're hearing this story, don't. Worry because I'm gonna keep this anonymous. But this is an interesting one, to say the least. All right, and I'm not like I'm gonna try to read this slow enough where I don't, you know, get lost in the words and slip a name out. I don't. But I, I mean, I'm just gonna read this word for word. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by OnX Hunt, the app that has completely changed the game and helps you increase your success rates every time you go out in the field. It's something that we legitimately use every single day. Doesn't matter if we're talking elk hunting, deer hunting, duck hunting, upland hunting, bass fishing, it does not matter. We don't go a day without using OnX Hunt. Public and private land boundaries, the new crop filters, the new 3D mapping system. There is not a time where Onyx cannot help you, and they update it all the time, which helps you increase your success rates. So go and check out the Onyx Hunt app today. Use the promo code PRIMOS20 to get 20% off your Onyx Hunt membership. So here's a never-been-told-before embarrassment story. So I am deep in a deer camp in central Mississippi where I do most of my turkey hunting. I was out mid-February doing some scouting and noticed a ground blind in one of my typical spots with bait scattered all around it. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, you get the interesting part right off the bat. Uh, I reported my findings to our camp president due to the fact that I do not hunt turkeys with bait, and quite frankly, I think very little of people who do. Fast forward to the second weekend of the season. I walk into a section of pines. I always hunt and hear a gobbling bird approximately 200 yards down an old road. I ease in to make a setup and hopefully catch the bird off the roost. Okay, so I guess he's he's there before daybreak. The bird continues to gobble until he flies down. Shortly after he flies down, he marches into my setup without a sound. I kill the turkey at 40 yards. Went to fetch my bird and gather my belongings next to a tree that I could sit by. After sitting for half an hour or so, admiring the bird, I decided to pack up and go home. I stood up and turned around to walk out to walk out of the road when I heard someone whistle. As I look over, I noticed two game wardens, wardens walking my way. Knowing I had done nothing wrong, I proudly walked their direction. When we met each other, I realized we were standing right in front of the blind I found in February. Then I realized they were suspecting me to have shot the bird over the bait. Uh. Yeah, this story escalates. (laughs) Uh, They asked me where I was sitting when I killed the bird, so I took them there. Luckily, I had left an imprint on the pine straw, so it was obvious that I was being honest. Unfortunately, the tree I had shot the bird from was a little less than 100 yards from the last piece of bait they had found, so I was cited a ticket. While all of this was going on, I realized said club member that he had suspected to being the culprit of doing all this in the first place, putting out the ground blind and the and the bait and all that. I had the bright idea to take them to that guy's location to be checked, and I was right. When they went to his location, he was in another blind, identical to the one that he had already put up. So this dude, well, I'll keep reading for now. Uh When they went to his location, he was in another blind identical to the one that I was near. Bait scattered all around it. I was still sighted, but they did allow me to keep my turkey um, because I think they realized that this dude wasn't trying to do anything wrong. I think they found it to be an honest mistake.
1: Yeah, he was Uh,
0: done bad by somebody else. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, so fast forward to the next spring season, um, and he says – somewhere on he sees an article that's i he sent a screenshot of it but he sees an article that was put out about uh law enforcement catching turkey hunters doing nefarious things and you can't tell that it's him in the picture but he said the picture is taken of that day because it's from them walking away and he said he had no idea you know a picture was taken but that's that's what the picture's from is that day when he got caught, and then the other guy got caught. Oh gosh, so that is quite the tale, yeah,
1: that's dude, that's something I mean, like we've always been so observant when we go to yeah. new places hunting because of that
0: reason i've like you never know what somebody else is yeah, doing that could get you in trouble. I've heard of stories like not identical to that, but like that before you know i've I've heard of guys um and then quite frankly i've i've talked to spoke to other than hearsay i've talked to guys that i know personally that have experienced things like that yeah you know they're hunting and then they go dude i legitimately had no clue you know like i'm walking out and boom they walk up on a bait pile that someone left which is i mean it's a that can happen if you're hunting in like a club type setting you know heck it
1: can happen on public land yeah i have a friend of mine that walked up on a bait pile a mile away from any road on a national forest this year. Yeah. And you know if he would have been checked in that area, or a warden would have known about that and sitting on it, you know, I mean, yeah. he would have got ticketed for hunting public land around bait. He had no and idea had no it was there. He no clue
0: was there. Well, I think it was. I mean, didn't old old Dave put out a post a few weeks ago about all the crawls that
1: he found or yeah. had? You know like bird seed and all kind of yeah. stuff in them which i mean it's yeah. unreal to me that all that yeah. goes on
0: and, and well the thing is like with this guy's story and again i mean again we didn't say the guy's name and i don't i've never met the guy yeah. um I, I mean apparently he's from mississippi but um you if a guy i mean it's one thing you know if you're just putting out bait I mean, I guess you can try to be a little bit more slick with that, but this dude was gr- just ground blind and bait all around it. Like wasn't <laughs> even trying to be like, yeah, I, don't know, I can understand the guy's, um, irritation. You know, if he's just trying, that guy sounds like in that story, if he's being honest and I will, let's assume he is and you know, he's just trying to go turkey hunting and then unbeknownst to him, he's technically hunting illegally.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely
0: crazy. So, yeah, that's uh, I, would, I would put that in the within the bounds of being an embarrassing story. Very much so. I would not like that to happen to me. You're
1: out there minding your own business, and boom, you're bushwhacked by somebody else's wrongdoing.
0: Yeah, which, shoot, the game wardens are doing their job. You know, they, th- they found this set up, and they're like, well, we're going to catch the guy that's doing this. Absolutely. Right, rightfully so. Absolutely. Which sounds like they ended up doing, you know. Well... Just follow the laws and have
1: fun. (laughs) Yeah. What's wrong with that?
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Ain't no reason to do all that. Break a law. So, yeah, going back to, I know we took a long detour there, but if we kept talking about that archery talk, we would have bypassed all of the introduction obligations and talking about these embarrassing stories that not only did we promise we'd do, but I've genuinely gotten some entertainment out of doing yeah so.
1: that's tough luck for old boy there
0: <laughs> yeah it is um uh, and that like the both those stories got sent in around the same time and they both happened to be turkey hunting related you know so that was kind of funny but yeah um uh, so yeah going back to it being august and, and trying to get ready it never fails to be, to be quite honest and i'm sure you get it too we have folks ask us all the time kind of bow hunting related they want bow hunting related podcast topics they want bow setup uh podcast episodes and sometimes i don't avoid doing them i just feel like we've done them so many times i'm like man they really want to hear that again but
1: I, I had a guy ask me this morning yeah. who's going on the elk contest year and asked me you know kind of what my setup looked like yeah
0: i that's what i i had it this morning yeah the guy asked to do it, which i'm not against doing i just don't want to be redundant you know right um but I figured we could talk more around instead of focusing completely on both setup, we can cover that and kinda just some just some overall prep stuff, you know. Um, if you're thinking about hitting the Elk Mountains, which it seems like more and more people do it every year. Yeah. Um It's uh I mean far as a, obtainable,
1: you know, it's it's harder to do than like going out of state on a turkey hunt. Yeah far as just prep and getting the tags and all that but far as you know going and doing it's something you anybody can go do you may have to save yeah. your money for a year or two because even if you go hunt public land it's not cheap you know for no. travel and you gotta you know invest in coolers and all that knives and all the stuff you need if you're successful and you know you gotta have the stuff to prep your meat and take it out and all that so it's a it's a little bit more expensive endeavor than going on like a turkey or a deer hunt
0: yeah far as gear yeah and it's a like it's one of those things if you've never done it and all of a sudden you just go out there it's going to be a pretty staunch learning curve either way
1: yeah it's just i mean it's Uh, like anything just like if you didn't know how to turkey hunt you got to learn how yeah and you're gonna fail a lot more times than you're going to succeed
0: yeah but my point is is go go into it knowing that you yeah. know that it's going to be, you're, you're going to have to do some learning, and that's okay. You know that's 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 part of it. You ain't supposed to be, if if you could, if the the percentage of everyone just going out there and hitting a home run every time they tried elk hunting for the first time, then, you know, it, it would I don't think it would have the allure that it has. Yeah, um,
1: that's, a, that's a challenging sport.
0: But there there is things that you can do to prepare yourself even if you are going out there for the first time yep like you were saying the kind of the the cooler stuff and there's there's so many resources out there now man um as far as fit, you know kind of what do you put in a pack what do you we did what was it been two years ago we did that ultimate elk gear checklist or yeah. something um but i'm sure that's still accessible somewhere but that was what we did that year is we kind of took a we sent, like, a group email out to everyone on the on the team and was, like, list off. And we didn't even put a number on it. We were, like, list off everything you think is essential to have in your pack. Yep. Um, and uh,
1: talking about, like, learning how to elk hunt, like, learning how to use calls and all mm-hmm. that. I mean, we've got a pile of videos on YouTube. Yeah. Pretty much from beginner stuff all the way up to advanced mm-hmm. on elk hunting. So, if you're somebody that's out there looking for you know answers or trying to rack your brain on what to take and how to do and what to do and all of that i mean we've got a lot of content on youtube to go watch and it's uh under a playlist like how to elk hunt you know just go through there watch all that even if you've been elk hunting for years i mean it's majority of it's wilbur and you know he's done it a lot a very very experienced elk hunter
0: yeah and wilbur's been doing it for like what 30 years yeah something like that yeah it's crazy Uh, yeah the the youtube source is is absolutely there um there's stuff to hit on and and again i I have to remind myself that there's new people coming into this every year and that's why you know i have that thought about not wanting to be redundant but it's it's also a thing i see yearly too guys that go out there and there'll be three guys go out together but they all want to break apart and hunt solo yeah because they think they graded they they uh heighten their odds
1: yeah more people with you know trying to get more opportunities yeah a lot of times that's just not the case Mm -mm. you you work as a team you may have fewer opportunities
0: but your success rate's gonna go up yeah you may you may increase your odds of encountering elk or hearing elk but you're not going to increase your odds of getting those elk in bow range. Yeah. Calling them into bow range. That's what least. I'm talking
1: about. Opp- yeah. Like opportunity, yeah, you may have opportunity. If you, say, three guys go out there and split up, y'all may heighten your chances of finding the elk. Yeah. But once that happens, it may be a good idea to, yeah. you know, group back up and conquer the situation that you find.
0: Yeah. One thing that I've that I've found, too, and it, again, I think it's part of the allure. Is there's a challenge aspect to it. As I've talked to guys that even, um, that that did the have a buddy to call and that sort of thing, and the fallback method, just learning how to set up, yeah. like where to stand. And I, I I ran into a guy. This has been at the NWTF a few years ago, and he was showing me videos because they brought him a little handy cam, and he had him on the videos on his phone. And I think over the week they had, or however long they were there, I don't know, it could have been a week, could have been four weeks, uh, they had like three bulls come into bow range and the poor guy did not get a shot at either of them mm-hmm. just because of the way the elk came. But again, that's just going out there and doing it and, and figuring out, which I mean, that could happen even if you've done it for years, but... You know, a lot of people kind of
1: know the call-through method on turkey hunting. Somebody back there behind you yelping, hopefully to make that gobbler, if he's hanging up, hang him up at least in go, gun range of right. the shooter, you know? Yeah. Well, with elk, a lot of times that bull, if he's coming to you calling, he's going to come straight at you. Mm-hmm. So getting an opportunity, if you're bow hunting and you're calling, get an opportunity of getting a broadside shot at an elk is very very tough mm-hmm. because he's coming straight at you it's not like a turkey you just fine if he comes straight at you because you're shooting him you know in yeah. the head with a shotgun so yeah. well elk you want that sucker broadside
0: because
1: yeah. uh, you ain't gonna hardly find a setup that's gonna push through the front end of elk you got a spot big as a softball you got to hit yeah. there's a lot of moving parts
0: and I'll, I'll speak to that because I, again I mean I don't want to talk I don't want to talk down about anybody but there's several videos i mean youtube is such a content source these days Mm -hmm. and there's several videos there guys shooting elk front on and you know um i'm not down i'm not talking down about those guys uh i'm just saying like to your point i would not set up wanting that to be brad from Brad was the first person, Brad Ferris was the first person, because he's the first guy that I went with to really, like, pound into my head these things that he believed in with El mm-hmm. And he told me he, he will not even consider a front-on shot.
1: That's a, that's a lot of error, room yeah. for error there.
0: Yeah. And so that's a, the setup is so crucial because you don't want – like you said, there's not. it's not as finicky with turkey hunting on finding, on getting a shot because you're using a shotgun and you're shooting a turkey in the head yeah it's not you there's not as many variables in your way there elk there is so it's a yeah the the front on shot thing all all i'm saying is is i wouldn't watch a video like that going oh that that you just gotta shoot them like that that's easy because that's that's not the
1: (laughs) yeah i mean you're gonna lose yeah if you if you if you take that shot every time you're going to eventually lose some yeah you're not going to as far as a quarter and two you facing your shot it's not easy to do that every time no you take a bull broadside 20 yards that's like slam dunk you're yeah. going to get in majority of the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, when we're talking about call through i mean the whole purpose of using two people elk hunting you've got a shooter and a caller Yeah a caller sets up in a way that's going to pull that bull broadside by your shooter. So, and two, that bull is focused on wherever the calling's coming from. So you can get away with a lot more drawing back, getting in position. You yeah. can actually get away with a little bit of movement with that bull, even at 30, 40, 50 yards, yeah. because he's focused on where that calling's coming from. Yeah, It just works so much better that way, getting opportunities and, make an opportunity happen
0: yeah yeah absolutely um as far as like bow setup goes i know there's things that you run that i see all the time with with elk setups i mean you could probably blanket this over any kind of bow hunting setup but most guys think they got to get the world's fastest bow you know they want to pull back Not everyone everyone wants to be Cam Haines and pull back 90 pounds. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) like, you think
1: of elk hunting, like, a lot of people think they got to be pulling back a high poundage bow and have, you know, all this whatever kinetic energy and all that. Well, if you set up for making bad shots, yeah, it definitely
0: helps. Yeah.
1: But two, if you wait on the right shot to come by, I mean, my setup, I shoot a 65-pound bow, mm-hmm. and I can pull back 70. I can shoot a 75 or 70-pound 70 bow, but the the difference in my draw cycle and those five pounds of draw weight is unbelievable as far as being smooth pulling it back. Mm-hmm. Like last year with the elk I shot. Yeah. I was able to draw back with that elk at, like, 25 yards coming straight at me. Might not could have done it so easy with a 70-pound bow.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, like, pulling straight back. Like, I'm pointing my bow, like, where I want to shoot the bull, and I ease it back just so slow because he was so focused on coming up through there. You know, if you got to put any power behind it and move your arm or whatever to get that 70-pound bow back – that may be the difference in when him caught. Him, yeah. him catching you with your pants down. Yeah. Like with me, I, I, I'm a new elk hunter
0: Yeah,
1: for shooting one. And uh, one thing I have trouble with is making the decision when's the time to draw back on him. Yep. That's the biggest learning curve I've had since I actually started, like, holding a bow when we were elk hunting. I was like, do I pull back now? He could stop back there, and I have to hold this thing back for five or ten minutes, or do I wait to I know he's committed and I'm finna get a shot. Yeah. You know, that's my biggest struggle is figuring out when to draw back.
0: See me I I again, these which I I keep going back to Brad, but Brad's Brad and is one of the most accomplished elk archery hunters that I know, yeah. if not the most accomplished that I know. And he always drove into my head and said, draw back the first chance you get. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I can I can remember you know I was talking earlier about the most I was ever prepared was when I first got I got my first archery tag. Yeah. I would go out there to that range, the same range I was at this morning, and I would set I'd get my iPhone, I'd set it on timer. And I'd start out at like a minute and I'd go up to 2 minutes and what I would do is I'd just sit there and hold draw. But I can like I the first if I think that elk's coming and I even but if I ain't even got a clear view of him yet, but if I think it's one that I might possibly shoot, the first chance I get, i'm that bow's coming back. Yeah, because that you don't want to wait. There's so many. That's a common mistake too, even in even in whitetail hunting. Like, man, if you can get that thing back,
1: mm-hmm.
0: get it back, because then you're ready. You know, yeah, and, <laughs> and then, that's
1: that's the, what I struggle with the most is when to decide to do that. Yeah, because we've all seen it so many times too, where that bull gets out there. 30 40 whatever yardage and he's just sitting there looking at where the calling's coming from and yeah. if the caller's not we're not tuned in exactly on the same board i mean he may wait two or three minutes to make another elk noise where the yeah. bull gets focused on it again you're sitting there just
0: yeah hey, what do i do <laughs> yeah i can remember like um the, the first one i shot i remember i watched because a, a, a smaller bull would come down before that one did and you elk typically I said, when I heard that other bull coming, um, which disclaimer, the smaller bull, I say smaller bull, the one I ended up shooting happened to be bigger. The only reason I didn't shoot the smaller one is because he never gave me a good shot. I was not trophy hunting. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I was like, after watching him come down that hill that way, I was like, chances are this other bull that I can't see yet is going to come down the same path. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was like a big falling over ponderosa pine. And uh, I was like, as soon as that bull's head goes behind that pine, I'm drawing. Yeah. Cause then that was that was what I'd learned from Brad. Same thing happened. The one, I, the last one I shot with my bow, he was coming up a hill, and I, as soon as he got behind, his eyes got behind that foom back come the bow
1: yeah and that's that is something that you know turkey hunting and elk hunting have in common is like just like when you're turkey hunting and turkey's coming you're steady looking at spots you're going to shoot him at yeah pick out those spots you know if he goes this way i'm gonna shoot him right there if he goes that way that's my hole go ahead and range those spots so you know where they're at you don't have to think about all that yep and uh that's that's one thing too that i've caught on to from hunting with brad and will and troy and all the guys is like anticipate where that elk's coming to and then you'll know what to do and when to do it
0: yeah my biggest challenge personally um because i'm not levi morgan i probably rely on a rangefinder a little bit more than i should Mm -hmm. so like the two the two elk that i've killed with my bow um both of them were killed in pretty dense timber Mm -hmm. so i was like you said i'd marked off several landmarks so to speak with my rangefinder. so when the elk was coming and because of the density of the timber i was like he's top ten, or he's 30 yards yeah where i struggle with is if you get somewhere more open like if you're on the edge of a meadow or something like that mm-hmm. that's i struggle with that a lot yeah
1: what i do with uh, elk and deer both is i make a 40 yard marks all the way around me yeah Like i know if he gets inside of there i can judge it yeah Long, i mean if he gets inside 40 especially an elk
0: yeah that's I mean, true if he put you put it know, on his lungs he's yeah
1: i mean the difference between your 20 and 40 at you know if he's 35 yards your are 20 30 40 is all gonna be in his lungs.
0: yeah that is true so
1: that's what i do is pick out my 40 yard radius and then when they come inside that it's go time
0: yeah i never understood that until the first one that i killed i remember hearing i remember hearing troy say he said i drew back <laughs> And all my pins were in his lungs, and I was I you know I just hadn't experienced that, so I didn't know and the first one I killed was like twenty five yards. I remember I drew back and when I tried to put my pins on him, I couldn't really tell where they were. All I could see was brown fur, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> he's <a> big animal, <laughs>
1: yeah, very much so yeah, and like the one last year, man, he was so close, I didn't even use my peep like i couldn't because when i looked through it i couldn't figure out where on the body i was
0: <laughs> instinctive
1: <laughs> yeah i mean he's literally like seven feet you know
0: that's crazy that is the that is one big key is elkard? they don't see so good thankfully
1: i don't think it, it's not so much that but it's the way it maybe it's the calling behind, they're focused up the hill yeah and we've all been caught before, where the caller is like ten feet behind us, and then they do catch you.
0: Yeah, well, because they're look, they're like that elk's supposed to be right there.
1: Yeah, they're f- more focused on where you're at at that point. Yeah. Now, when the is where he should be, seventy five to one hundred fifty yards behind you, they're focused there. Yeah. You know, they're not so focused where you're at.
0: Yeah. Because so. that is a good feeling, like the both of them, both. I, well, I know for sure because the first one that I that I was able to kill, like that bull. Had no clue anyone was where, that we were anywhere near where he was. Yeah, he was walking down the hill towards Wilbur. Towards Wilbur bugling. That's that's the only thing he was thinking about. Mm -hmm. And that's the way, because then uh, you have to do this sometimes. Sometimes this happens even if you do have a collar, you know, back behind you because he gets whiff of you or catches you drawing something. But if I can avoid it, I would like to release the arrow when that elk is chill. I don't want him keyed up, you know.
1: And sometimes, I mean, you have to stop them because they're going towards the collar so fast.
0: But even then, you know, even if, even then, it's not like a, you know, they're not like on edge. They're yeah. not like a stomping doe. They're just like, what was that? You know, they're not keyed up, keyed up. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, Strictly far as bow setup goes. um, Personally, right now, I'm shooting a Matthews V3, as are you. Mm-hmm. Um, 70-pound limbs. I I was shooting. I'm still shooting a gold tip Pierce Platinum. I started shooting that arrow.
1: Now we both we've both been shooting it like five seasons. Now. Yeah,
0: I mean like it's the 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 gold tip Pierce Platinum is one of those things for me. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I've just had so much success with that arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been so happy with it. I just it, it's hard for me to get away from it. The only difference is is instead of shooting a 300 spine Pierce Platinum, I'm now shooting a 250. Yeah, which uh, it
1: tuned better out of your bow last yeah, year. That's that was, the only reason you're doing that.
0: Yeah, we got those V3s last year, and I'd been shooting 300 spines forever, and we could not get it to tune with that 300 spine arrow. We just switched to a 200, 250, and it phew, bullet holed. Yeah, that's, um, the,
1: that's the like When you get a new bow, you can't just assume that that setup you've been using out of your old bow is going to work with your new bow. you got to
0: mm-hmm.
1: tune it to. The new bow. You gotta tune your setup to that.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Um and again, going back to what we said earlier, yes, two hundred and fifty spine. Um
1: And if somebody doesn't know what that means, that's the stiffness of the arrow. Right. How stiff the backbone. We call it the backbone. Like when you take that arrow in two hands, you know, on both ends of and you flex it, the on the, on gold tips, the lower the number, the stiffer it will be on flexing.
0: Yeah, and heavier, typically. Yes, because
1: it's, it's got more of a wall built into it.
0: Yeah. So, again, back to what we were saying earlier, if I shot, cause like you said, a, in, with gold tips, the smaller the number, the thicker the spine. So, if I were to shoot a Pierce Platinum 400 spine, yes, my bow would probably be a lot faster. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that because it won't tune right um like i mean that 250 spine you can't make it tune any better i guess that's peak performance i feel like
1: yeah i mean and the deal with paper tuning a bow like it's pretty important because if you get an error that's flexing coming out of your bow a lot like too much it's taking a lot of the energy away from your setup to straighten it out because mm-hmm. it's flexing coming out of your bow. If that makes any sense to somebody listening to this, yeah. I mean, because if you imagine a nail, if you're driving a nail into a piece of wood, and you take your hammer and you hit it, but you only hit the side of the nail, and it, you know, you don't you don't get the full blunt of the hammer, yeah, the force behind the hammer to hit the nail, so it's not going to go in very far. Yeah. Well, if you hit that nail. Just dead on the head, it's more likely going to go in a lot farther. Yeah. Same way with a bow setup. Mm-hmm. So if your bow shooting straight as far as tuning, you've got a lot more energy behind that arrow.
0: Yeah. And there's still I still know a lot of folks that if you bring up paper tuning, they're like, yeah, I did that one time five years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and might, I mean, bows change, especially during the break-in period. Yeah. Like stuff stretches on them it flexes like they a bow has to get broke in just like a baseball glove yeah
0: well and i used to never pay attention to those things because i didn't know any better um and i remember i was talking to tim gillingham one time because he works with with gold tip arrows and and he said that he said ignorance is bliss until you miss <laughs> and uh because i was like I, I, that was genuinely that was my that was my mindset i was like uh man i can Hit the target without paper tuning, and I don't need a paper tune. But once you learn how all that stuff works, you're like all right, now that I know these things, there's no reason why I shouldn't get my bow functioning at its peak, mm-hmm. the best that it can. Um. So yeah, that's uh 250 spine Pierce Platinums. Um, I'm shooting 100 grain Rage uh, Hypodermic Plus P.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And what that is, it's a little bit smaller cut. Mm-hmm. a 1.5 inch cut and uh what we found out about the difference between the 1.5 inch cut and a two inch cut regular hypodermic is uh, you have a lot easier time getting in between those ribs on the elk
0: yeah yeah if you if you're if you shoot an elk with it and it happens to go through the rib cage and the blades hit it vertically then you may be fine but um and it seems to penetrate better all i know you know, it was kind of the same thing like i first imagined like elk being big critter i should shoot a bigger broadhead i would think i'd want that two and a half inch cut but wilbur again who's done this way longer than me advised me said get the plus P, smaller cut this that and i said look i trust you will do it and um both elk i've killed my bow i shot with that broadhead and that mm-hmm. that did exactly what it needed to do i think both of them didn't go over 100 yeah you know um are you, sh- you're shooting the pierces too, right?
1: Yep. I shoot uh, uh pierce. Well, I've shot the platinums for a while. Then last year I started shooting the tours, which the only difference in them is the straightness. And uh, they're pretty much the same era. I have uh, I shoot a little bit different than you as far as weight on the era. Mm-hmm. I, I put 150 grains of fat weight on the front of my era. Mm-hmm which is just what tunes good out of my bow, and I do like that little bit more weight. I do sacrifice speed, but I have yet to have anything far as stop me on penetration, you yeah. know. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm not going to hardly shoot a deer under 50 yards or elk under 50 yards. And it's usually under 40, you know, but yeah. maximum 50. And, uh, I mean, really, the difference between your pins shooting 100, I mean 200 and... Ninety five feet a second versus two hundred and seventy five feet a second really isn't in that much difference not, at that distance.
0: That's not I mean like I think my bow right now is shooting three oh six. Yeah. And that's not I I guarantee you if that our pins twenty, thirty and forty, are not that different. No. it's just it's just not enough speed to make that much of a difference. Now you go to greater distances then sure, but mm-hmm.
1: And it's, it's uh, a error choices are a big big deal when it comes to what what do you want out of your setup yeah, me, I want to hit them with a mac truck Yeah. that's what I want hmm some people like speed, but as far as when you get a really high speed bow like your setup's far speed you'll have it occasionally happen where you are glancing off bone you know yeah, so you don't want that. Yeah. So it's like kinda like the difference if you're playing catching a yard, keep staying on the baseball theme. Throwing a nerf ball versus throwing a baseball. Yeah. You know? Mhm. I um same size ball, but one of them show hits a lot harder than your glove. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what else are we on a bow? Um sights. Uh I still started i mean you're the one that got me doing it i think the the sight with the roller on it Mm -hmm. mine's a black gold ascent i think yeah yeah ascent verdict or something like that Mm -hmm. Uh, I, i shot a five pin for a while that did not adjust and again the sights are all personal preference Some people shoot a five-pin stationary, and they're good with it, and roll on. Find what works with you. Yeah. Don't think just because this person does this, you need to do it, too. Uh, What I eventually went back to is just a three-pin that adjusts, because I'm about like you, and there's folks out here, I'm sure, that are from out west, and if they hear me say that I'm typically not going to shoot over 40 yards, they'll scoff at me, because they, them westies, man, they'll be be flinging those arrows, but... (laughs)
1: Well, you have to yeah. uh, if you're going to do, like, spot-and-stalk type hunts. I mean, you have to be ready to shoot 70 yards, you yeah. know. Uh,
0: but that's typically not been – that's not the case down here. And so uh, 20, 30, and 40 pin with the ability to adjust I need to has been has been good for me. Yeah. And it makes – for me, it makes the sight less busy. You know, I don't have as many pins to pick through. I got three.
1: That's what I ran into, too, is I started really – I guess fine tuning a setup to what my mental game is. And uh I shoot a four pin sight which on the black gold you can choose the size of your housing too. And uh I shoot the big housing, which I think is a two inch size
0: yeah. circle. Yep, that's what I got. And
1: uh what I found out with it with you know, shooting less pins and uh having the bigger housing, yes you give up a little bit on your accuracy at longer distances. Because it's more room for air with a bigger housing and your peep lines up. But what I found out too, as far as hunting setups, that bigger housing and a bigger peep allows me to be able to see a lot better right at dark. Yeah, and I'm able to see what I'm shooting at more so than trying to just squint through a little bitty peep and a little bitty
0: housing. Yeah, well, like for me, it was if you're if you are even if you're shooting something at 40 yards. Like if I'm shooting a whitetail at 40 yards, uh with five pins on there i can't see much of the whitetail yeah especially if he's through the woods and
1: then you got to kind of like okay that's 20 34 got to kind of look at count them down you know it's it's just something else to think about mentally and i'm not good at thinking very much at all so i want it simple as possible (laughs) i
0: shoot i shoot better archery wise when i'm not thinking about it too much you know it's the same, same thing if i if i start overthinking it if i start going If I start going, he's about 42, if I put my 40-yard pin this many inches above, that's when I'm going to mess up.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, like, talking about that scenario with me, I always, like say, he's 35 yards. Well, with my mind, it just registers better to put my – Longer range pin lower on the deer rather than going high with the shorter range pin. Yeah, like say a deer is th- uh, thirty five yards, like I'll put my forty at like at the bottom of his heart. Yeah, that's just what registers better with my mind. Somebody else they may put their thirty, you know, higher on the deer. Yeah, to make up the difference in range.
0: I still think a point to go to there on is even if you're if you're doing that. So, like, say you're. If it, this is me, I don't know if you do this as well, but like, say I'm going your method, and there's 35 yards. I want to put my, I'm gonna put my 40 yard at the bottom of his heart, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm still not. When I'm going through the shot process, I'm not gonna put my eyes and see. Okay, yeah, the 40s on the bottom of his heart, and then kind of just acknowledge my 30 yard pin and kind of float like i'm if i'm if i'm going with my 40 yard pin is going to the bottom of his heart i'm burning that pin right there that's where all my focus is going
1: i don't try to look in between the
0: pins exactly that's what i'm getting at if you start looking in between the pins for me then i don't have a target to focus on right i'm looking at a larger area yeah that's what i do uh, you you pick a spot and you burn that spot pick out a hair mm-hmm. and that pin goes right there until you pull through a <laughs> shot
1: yep no doubt um it's a lot that goes into it man it's, i mean like you're talking about you're gonna shoot every day yeah that muscle memory makes it so much easier when it's go time yeah Cause you pull back, you don't have to check your form. You don't have to go through all the steps that you can severely mess up on in in the yeah. moment of crunch.
0: I can remember um, looking back, because again, it's no secret anyone that and I'm not the only one that does this, but I know y'all like y'all uh, kind of heckled me before I get wound up after I shoot something. <laughs> you say, and so well, I, but I can. I, the the first the bull like there's the first one that i shot the second one i i was able to look i I was able to think back on the thought process and have a lot clearer picture of what all i did Mm -hmm. but the first one i killed with my bow i can i can remember hearing the bull and going he's coming and i remember seeing the first glimpses of him and going oh man yeah we're shooting him i can remember seeing the tree and going when he goes behind that i'm going to draw now, as far as like anchoring and when I decided if I stopped him or you know, all all that's kind of a blur. But, and so when, it, what made me realize that talking about the muscle memory thing is I remember going back and looking at the GoPro angle, it was live and you can see me drawing back in it. And there's a thing I always did. Um, I kind of got in a habit when I find my anchor, I'll like kind of put, I'd put the tip of my nose on the string. Mm hmm. And I kind of always, I'll put my nose on it, and I'll put my nose there, and I'll kind of lift up and set it back down on there. That's kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of a thing that I did. And as, as I'm watching the footage of the GoPro, I, w- I did that. And that was I consciously doing that? No. But like I so. said, yep. I'd done that so many times that I went through my same routine. Because yep. the, there's a bull coming charging in that I've never shot an elk with my bow. I'm not thinking about my drawback form and (laughs) pulling through the shot you know
1: yep but it's it's something that can make or break you if you do not have that muscle memory like if you're not doing it correctly to start with you're Mm -hmm. definitely not going to do it when you're under pressure
0: no you fall apart (laughs) no doubt and you don't want that because then you'll either hopefully you miss if that happens lord forbid you shoot one bad and lose him because that is the absolute worst yeah So yeah it's a practice is everything man but i'm not that's not reinventing the wheel everyone knows that you just got to remind folks sometimes remind myself
1: and in my opinion you don't have to go out there every day and shoot three or four dozen arrows as long as you go do it shoot a dozen you know and they call it good because you're not going to shoot at an animal a dozen times you got to get it where you got to get it right the first shot
0: that's true that is true
1: you don't get a warm-up shot (laughs) You gotta do it right the first time. He
0: starts bugling. Let me shoot the dirt right quick. <laughs> Let me double check. Let me yeah. double check.
1: And that's that's one thing you know has helped me a lot is like, you go out here and shoot. I used to, and I'd be like, okay, get some warm-ups in, then I'll really focus. Yeah. No, you focus from the first from one. From the first one. Yeah.
0: I one one thing, is uh, I'm a I'm, I started doing this I don't know ever ever since I got the opportunity to start hunting them myself. But this translates over to whitetail hunting as well. But putting your practice in the most realistic situations possible, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is, is I'll go out there. Now I won't do this every day, but especially when it gets closer, I will start doing it. I'll put an elk call in my mouth
1: yeah. and start yeah.
0: and start practicing doing that. I don't now. Uh, I've had I think only one. I've had to actually stop before I shot, but still. If you're not used to doing that, that's an extra thing, you know. Yep. Um, and so, even if you're practicing whitetail stuff, man, yeah, know?
1: <laughs> practice stopping them, you know.
0: Practice stopping them. Practice, you know, not how many guys you see they do that the first time they go, they go, man, and they shoot immediately.
1: Oh yeah, and like an elk, you gotta think like when they're walking, their stride. I don't know how much ground they cover in one step, but it's like two or three feet. Yeah. So, if you shoot that elk while he's taking a step, it could go from right behind the shoulder all the way up in the guts with him one step,
0: you know? Yeah. yeah. Practice like it's the real thing. That's right. Um, Anything we left off on bow setup? Uh, I'm shooting. Right now, I still have um, a bee stinger with a 10-degree down angle. And then I have a back bar on there. But... I don't believe that to be my same stabilizer setup when elk season gets here. I'm going to a counterslide, a base stinger. Isn't that what it's called? That's what I've been shooting a bee stinger for counter slide.
1: three seasons now. I shoot a 15-inch counterslide. Yeah. And why I do that is because it's more compact. Yeah. It's, it's less things to get hung up on. It's, it serves the same purpose as a V-bar on your bow. Yeah. To offset your uh, sight weight and quiver weight if you shoot with a quiver on. Mine is just offset the sight weight. Yeah. And uh, I started shooting that thing. I guess, I, I think it's, this will be like my f- third or fourth season to shoot with it. And I absolutely love it just cause you can, Really, micro-tune it to balance your bow out yeah. right without having stuff hanging off. Yeah, well, all that's off of that's
0: it. what led me to go in that direction. Is I saw how much you liked yours, mm-hmm. and that does seem a lot more compact.
1: Yeah, it, it serves a purpose for sure, and that's to get your bow balanced. Not so much to take off vibration dampening, because all these new bows they don't vibrate anyway. It's no. all about balance. You want the balance right when you pull back, and you look at the bubble on your uh, sight. You want it level. Yeah, as soon as you pull back, and that comes from balancing your bow.
0: Yeah, ain't no doubt. So we got, we got the bows, we got the arrows, we got the broadheads, we got the stabilizers, we got the sights. We leave anything out? I don't think so.
1: We can go in more depth on that another time yeah, too. Yeah, you know, I'm but
0: sure this uh, this will spark other questions, but. Um, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It's even time to start talking about this stuff.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love archery hunting. I love bows, tinkering around with them. I probably tinker
0: too much. Yeah, well, that's all right. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm, even, I'm even excited now. Like, I, I got up this morning knowing I was like, I'm shooting my bow this morning. I got fired up about that. Yeah. Because I'm like, it's time. Yeah. All right, boys and ladies. Thank you all for listening, as always. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, um, if you find yourself with an extra 10 seconds on your hands go to our page on apple podcast give us a rating write us review follow us on spotify podcast or any other platform we're out there on just about all of them um we really appreciate it. it helps us out if you have any stories that you would like to be featured um again obviously if it's a sensitive story we'll leave it anonymous anonymous like we did the one today uh, but this has been fun. Um, you can send those in to the Instagram page, Primo's Hunting, or to mine or Jordan's personal Instagram pages. Uh, or you can email them in to Podcast at gmail.com. And that is it. We're going to wrap this up. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.